The life of a part-time podcaster is no laughing matter. It's not all fun and games like some people think. You record, edit, and upload, pushing your computer to the limits, and nobody seems to care. I was on my way to have tacos with an old friend who I hadn't seen in, well, like a week or two. Craig Cohen, the self-proclaimed king of men. When I had talked to Craig on the phone, he suggested we meet at Sambo's. But it's not around anymore, and they probably didn't have tacos. So we went to Moe's so we could talk about my breakfast with Blassie on Camel Clutch Cinema. Hey, Craig. Hey, guy. So I'm very excited to talk about this. I absolutely love my breakfast with Blassie. Have you ever seen uh, My Dinner with Andre, the film that this is sort of based on, that this is playing off of? I actually have not. I never have either. Um, it's, a, it's apparently a really artsy film. I don't have any knowledge as to whether Andy Kaufman ever saw it or whether he liked it. Yeah. You know, but this is what he was doing, was parroting this film. Uh, I did see Coliseum Home Video many years ago did My Breakfast with Andre the Giant. <laughs> Um, and I think it was Lord Alfred Hayes eating, it might have been Mean Gene, with, uh, with uh, Andre the Giant at a, at a like a little diner. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I thought maybe it would just be like sort of a clip a clip show they had put together and just put that title no, on. No, no. This was just like on one of their Coliseum Home videos, this was just a, a you know two-minute segment. Oh, okay. Crack me up, though. God, I can only imagine what Andre ate for breakfast. <laughs> So this this movie, I remember many years ago, I heard about it and immediately ordered the, the VHS cassette at the yeah. time. I had to custom order. Mm-hmm. This is before, I don't even think we had Suncoast yeah. back then. Mm-hmm. And so I had to order from the video store. I had to wait a week or two for it to arrive some, from some warehouse. And um, watched it, loved it, really, really took a long time to... To uh, find out how much of it is fake, yeah, which we'll talk about. Uh, but for many years, I, I bought all of it, mm-hmm. including the weird, creepy guy at the end. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I then, years later, got a chance to get it on DVD, and mm-hmm. I was so excited. And it looks just as crappy yeah. as it did on yeah. VHS. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was shot on probably you know some kind of video format. Yeah, I, you I, know I, it's. The, the master is probably a three-quarter inch videotape. Yeah, uh, that's your standard videotape? I, I, or, or, or like, you know, the whatever the... Um, What's the standard one, half inch? I think so. I think then, that's what the master's on. That's <laughs> yeah, my point. Yeah. I think the master for this, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this was just shot with a, you know, consumer-grade mm-hmm. camera. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. what it looks like. And, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, just a, it's just a weird idea. Mm-hmm. And, and the restaurant was... It was closed, or was it open for business? No, it apparently was open for okay. business. The the woman that's waiting on them was a real waitress, yeah. um, and uh, she was working other tables. Uh, so apparently, it was open for business. They filmed over the course of, of a day. But let's before we get to that, what I want to talk about is on the VHS, which I watched, which you didn't see. They have footage from the premiere. This is from uh, March nineteen eighty four, March twentieth, nineteen eighty four. They had a, a Hollywood-style premiere for this, really off-the-wall, wacky premiere. And there's about seven minutes of footage that uh, precedes the the VHS version of this. Jimmy Lennon Sr. is there introducing the film. There's a bunch of masked wrestlers clowning around for the the camera. They're serving Eggo waffles in the lobby. (laughs) 
Harold Ramis is there. And there's this weird thing where the guy who's on the microphone keeps introducing people that are that look like celebrities. And then he's yeah. like, Harold Ramis. And I was like, wow, that guy really looks... And I was like, oh my really God, that is Harold Ramis. Um, this was Andy's last public appearance. This was uh, uh, on, uh, on March 20th. Uh, 1984, and he died May 16th. And so he shows up in this. He's very thin. He has a mohawk. They made a, a joke about it being uh, he's going to be starring in the new Taxi Driver because he was on the yeah. TV show Taxi, and he looked a lot like uh, De Niro looked in Taxi Driver. But a lot of people thought this was a gimmick he was doing, that he was doing a punk rock gimmick, so he had shaved his head yeah. and lost weight. That's, uh, yeah. That's one of the problems of being... Andy Kaufman and doing the type of comedy that you do. Yes, yes. Uh, the, so there's this wrestler guy interviewing people. And the director, Johnny Legend, who I have a story about, uh, which I'll tell later, but he um, he refuses to talk to uh, uh, the guy who's videotaping and you know interviewing people. And he's like, get out of here, you scumbag. And he seemed legit angry with yeah. this guy. But Andy talks to him, yeah. and Andy seems a little confused about the whole thing. But he speaks to him, um, and then uh, we see Jimmy Lennon introducing the uh, the film. You know, and he, he he says that it's filmed in sleaze scope, <laughs> and then eventually we see the the wrestler get unmasked, and he's screaming Stephen. And I haven't been able to find anything about who this was, but. Even like Andy seemed somewhat like, oh, you're screaming Steven. Yeah. You know, like he seemed to know who he was. But I guess he was maybe a local radio personality in L.A. or something. Or maybe he was a guy on a local radio show, like a gimmick character, yeah. you know, within that. But anyway, that's at the beginning, which is kind of cool to see. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's weird that they didn't put it on the DVD that you saw. There is, I believe, another DVD that's available, but I don't know. Anytime they say remastered in this movie, I, I'm not buying it. Yeah, until you're not going to get a, you know a pristine. You know uh, the the version that I watched. It was actually um, Breakfast with Blassie's uh, with, with Blassie was a bonus feature. Right. It was uh, I'm from Hollywood was the main attraction. Yes, which is all about him and uh, Jerry Lawler. It's yeah. all the whole going to Memphis. I'm from Hollywood, California. I'm not from Memphis, Tennessee, <laughs> where you talk like this and you don't use soap. Yeah, I mean that is a that's a wonderful documentary. But I like this better. Oh, I mean, to mm-hmm. me, this is just pure raw Andy Kaufman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they filmed this August 9th, 1982, so it was t- almost two years before this had its premiere. Uh, and it was filmed over four hours on a, on a single day at this restaurant. The waitress is a, is a real waitress, and uh, she wasn't mic'd. So there's a there's a point in the movie where she has some dialogue and they had to they had to like loop her you know they had to have Andy's Andy's future uh, girlfriend oh wow I didn't even notice that who's yeah she she has there's a line where she's like he goes is it fresh orange juice and she goes it's, it's in a can. a can yeah and that's not her voice and it, it, you can kind of tell if you if you've seen it a few times yeah well she was pregnant yeah the, I've, the I've, pregnant waitress while watching it I was thinking there's a thirty year old person. <laughs> Yes. Girl or boy, uh, man or woman out there now that might not even know uh, that their mom was in a movie. Right. <laughs> and uh, Fred Bless, you rubbed <laughs> rub the belly, called her Buddha. <laughs> so uh, it starts out with the introduction, which I did the parody of. 
at the beginning of this, and Andy's just talking about it. He's going to meet Fred Blassie, and he's going to Sambo's. Yeah. Um, have you ever heard of Sambo's? I actually have, mainly bet- be- uh, between uh, this movie and I think you're, you've talked about it a handful of times. Yeah, you know, but I think I know of it because of this movie, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then I've read about it beyond that. I was curious if maybe you had gone at some point. I don't yeah. know if they were ever out on the on the East Coast, yeah. uh, but maybe they were. You yeah. know, it was apparently a big franchise at yeah. one point in time. Yeah, there's uh, one location left, if I if memory serves. Which is the original location, yeah. and, and so it's at one point they it became a uh, you know a big giant uh, franchise you know with with multiple locations. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether it was twenty or two hundred, but they had a, they had multiple locations, and the, the it was based on the story Little Black Sambo, mm-hmm. which was a um, it's a story about an Indian child, and he uh, he goes out and he encounters some tigers who want to take his clothes, and so he gives them his clothes, and then he get tricks them into chasing each other until they turn into butter, brings the butter home, and his mom makes pancakes out of it, and they it's like mom ate twenty four pancakes. Dad ate 112 pancakes, but Sambo was so so excited he ate 300 pancakes and then went to bed. It is yeah. a weird childhood story, but over time, uh, people became more sensitive to the title of it, yeah. and uh, they they stopped it stopped being read, and the restaurant started to really get a lot of backlash over it. Now the restaurant did not name themselves after that. There was a combination of two guys. I think one guy's name was Sam, and the other guy's name was Bo, and they put their names together and then used that as the uh, as the motif. We don't see any of that motif. We do see a cartoon character on the menu, but I don't think it was uh, Sambo. Yeah, it was actually um, Sam. Battistone, so that's where you get the Sam from. And where's the bone? And Newell Bonet. Bonet. Yeah, so. so it's the it's the first name and the last name. So I mean, they did know, you know, that it it, it, it had this book that they could attach mm-hmm. it to, but that is where they put the two names together from. Um, as we see him get on the bus, and this is a very interesting thing. There was a while where I really wanted to track down where the uh, where the actual location was because mm-hmm. I was thinking a lot of them turned into Denny's and I was thinking I could go there yeah. and eat there mm-hmm. and so if you look in this shot the first shot you can see Andy walking near a Sambo's trash can and then he gets on the bus <laughs> okay. and he gets off the bus the same location and they're just uh. filming from the other corner so my guess is he got on the bus rode around and then got off the bus and that was all one shot yeah, beginning yeah. and the end of the you know the, yeah. the, so he doesn't start out at his apartment yeah. or anything he starts out you know on the corner right on the opposite side yeah. of uh, where the restaurant and they was they do a rotation or whatever yeah exactly uh, he says that the bus fare is 50 cents talks about how you can get anywhere in the city for 50 cents yeah and it hasn't gone up that much went up to 150 yeah, which, which is, is I mean, it's 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 a big jump from fifty cents, yeah. but it's been a long time. Yeah, it was either overpriced in, in <laughs> yeah. nineteen eighty two, or it's an incredible value today. I'm not sure which. Andy is all about the bus. He <laughs> he hypes it up, man. He's like, you know, a lot of people will criticize the bus, but you take that bus anywhere <laughs> yeah. for fifty cents. Um, so he gets on the bus. It's at Sixth and Wor- and Vermont, which is just by Sambo's. He rides the bus up and down Vermont Avenue, and you can see. Um, you can see a lot of different locations when you look that are still there today. You see a lot of unique buildings. Uh, you see a, a, a weird, very colorful building. It's still there, still very colorful. You see a, um, like a used car dealer, which is still there. A lot of the stuff that they pass by is still there. And 
and they go up to about where the Hollywood Freeway is, the 101, and then they turn around and come back and he gets off. Basically, that's mm-hmm. I guess he just rode the bus for a half hour yeah. and then got back off. Um, he mentions that Fred Blassie is a recording star, yes. and I love that they mention this. Yeah, for what? A pencil like geek, among other things. Yeah, Fred Blassie put out uh, more than one record album, and uh, I I have uh, I Bite the Songs, which is a and it's a picture disc. And it's got Pencil Neck Geek, which is a hysterical song. It's got King of Men. It's got U.S. Mail. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can't stop this U.S. Mail. The uh, Pencil Neck Geek is the song where he actually kills somebody at the That's end right. of the song. Yes, he, uh, <laughs> he in kills the, the Pencil Neck Geek. Well, multiple times. <laughs> at one point, him and his father cut a Pencil Neck Geek up for fish bait, and they, they put him in the, in the water, and the water turns red. Uh, but at the end, and this is in the like extended version, I don't think this is on the LP version, mm-hmm. I think this is the single, the recording, um, the guy who's recording it turns out to be a pencil neck geek. Yeah. And so Fred is asking him to remove, I think, his turtleneck so yeah. he can see his neck. And when he when he re- reveals himself as a pencil neck geek, Fred electrocutes him. Yeah. Blassie had not, uh, was not a part of the Be A Star campaign. <laughs> So they, they talk about their catchphrases, Pencil Neck Geeks, which apparently Fred Blassie did invent that. That's something yeah. that I had heard long before I ever heard of Fred Blassie. But, uh, that, and then uh, Andy Kaufman's Thank You Very Much, which is only his catchphrase if you say it like him. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So they, they get into the restaurant, and they sit down here in, in, in Sambo's, and, and uh, Andy thanks Fred. And he says, what do you... What do you no, no, he, he thanks, thanks the bus boy. He thanks the bus boy. He thanks Fred for arriving, because <laughs> yeah. there's a moment where he's afraid Fred isn't going to show yeah, up. Yeah. Then he thanks the bus boy, and he goes, what are you thanking him for? He didn't do anything. <laughs> yes. And that sort of sets the tone for how Blassie's going to be throughout this whole thing. And you got to wonder how much Blassie was in character, too. Oh, I think Blassie was in character yeah. until the day he died. Yeah. I think Blassie, from the moment he first wrestled, until <laughs> the day he died. So I think this was all in character. But do you th- I'm uh, betting that Blassie didn't go out of character when they were if they were rehearsing oh, or going yeah. through anything. I wonder if there was a point where the character became the man, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like uh, like sort of like I think like Hogan today. Oh my like, God, yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, I think Hogan stopped being Terry Bollea at some point. Yeah. My favorite line, I think well, it's it's probably my second favorite line in the whole thing, but is when Fred rubs the waitress's <laughs> stomach, <laughs> and then as soon as she leaves, he goes, there, that way we don't have to tip her so much when we leave. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and he calls her Buddha and sends her on her way. Yeah. So uh, so that's where she says that the orange juice comes in a can. Um, here's the order, by the way. I wrote this down. Andy. And there was a lot of thought that went behind this, because, you know, uh, you know, uh, Andy's trying to really get a handle on what to order, and Blassie's, you know, seem pretty health conscious at this point. He's telling him what's good for you and what's bad for him. And it almost seemed like anything Andy wanted to order. Yeah, <laughs> so that's what I was going to say. I don't know that it's so much health conscious because Blassie does get ice cream. I think there's. I think what happens is everything that Andy wanted, Blassie just told him it was a bad idea. And Andy is really looking for Blassie's <laughs> approval on yes. everything he's ordering. Yeah. Uh, Andy, even after he decides he wants to get a waffle, he's like, is it all right? <laughs> Blassie's like, I don't care, get a waffle. Yeah. But... So Andy orders, and I wrote this down, it's a large orange juice, two eggs scrambled, a waffle with a lot of butter on the side, and then some coffee with lots of cream. Blassie had sausage and eggs, no pancakes. He stressed that that it's too much dough. You can't have that. They had cottage cheese and whole wheat toast and a glass of milk. 
And Blasi says he likes to dunk his toast in the yolk of his egg. Yeah. So we, we know a lot after this about how Fred Blasi likes to eat. Um, Andy uh, mentions that his grandparents used to go to Japan. Yeah. Blasi uh, was married to a Japanese woman. That's right. Yeah. He says he brings his Asian wife with him whenever he goes to Japan to translate everything. Now, they talk about uh, a typhoon that had been on television in Japan. There apparently was a big typhoon at this point in time. And he says that he, bless, he says, I don't really agree what they do over there with a lot of the violence that they show on TV. I don't really like that. And he talks about how they show people in the mudslides and everything. I looked this up. Super Typhoon Bess was a monsoon that spawned a tropical depression near, and I don't think I'm going to get this right, but it's K-W-A-J-A-L-E-I-N, Kowaljin? Sure. On July 22nd, headed northeast, northwestward, became a tropical storm on July 23rd, a typhoon on the 24th. This sounded like a really, really bad bad super storm uh, and it had 59 casualties and extensive damage so I think this is what Blassie was talking about although Blassie could have just been ripping on something he had seen way in the past but he talks about Japan and Japan is one of my favorite parts of his story he talks about buying a file yes to file his teeth down yes <laughs> um, he claims to have invented biting and wrestling I don't have any reason to doubt that. He said that they to get over, he took that file and he'd sit there and file his teeth and people would watch it and go, oh my God, this guy's crazy. Mm -hmm. And he said that was going to be his way to get over and it worked and he got over in Japan. Um, he talks about wrestling Ricky Dozan. And Ricky Dozan, very, very famous name in wrestling. Uh, he's not in the WWE Hall of Fame, mm -hmm. so he's not as well known today. Um, but he was a, uh, a Korean-Japanese professional wrestler, and he moved from Korea to Japan to become a sumo wrestler. Very big guy, and he... he apparently is credited with bringing the sport of pro wrestling to Japan and was a, a national hero. And they say his um, his popularity was that as big as Santo, as big as Hulk Hogan. You know, he was it for a while over there. Um, and so he, he talks about him, which is kind of neat. It was kind of yeah. neat that Fred brought up the name of, a, of an actual, you know, wrestler. Yeah, this is actually pretty interesting in, overall because... I think a lot of people think of Blassie as just a manager, um, right? You know, because a lot of people were exposed to him as a manager and never even got to see him wrestle. Mm -hmm. um, so hearing about that part of his career is pretty interesting. Yeah. At least for me, it was for our yeah, because our age group, yeah, we he had a cane by the time I saw him. Exactly. Yeah, that is what's kind of interesting about him. He was such a good manager. Yeah. I mean, he was just so over the top, yeah. and that voice was so good. Mm -hmm. And they continue to use him, you know, like in all their promos for another, you know, ten years after. Even after he died, they still use him oh, every now and then in yeah, promos. That they can. Yeah, they did the, um, they used to open a couple of them with him in the empty yeah. uh, bleachers. Yeah. Um, they they used to, yeah. We used to wrestle, they saw. Yeah. You know, and it's I, their time. <laughs> I think we talked about this, though. I, I, had, I had learned that. Lassie retired not because he wanted to, but because uh, at the time he was wrestling, the wrestling was still overseen by an athletic commission, and he and he basically got aged out of wrestling. Yes, he was literally <laughs> too old to pass the physical. Yeah, you know, and he was as old as you know Hogan or oh, you know or Flair. I mean, yeah, that's what I mean. I mean yeah, yeah. You know, you know, it's, it's funny to see a lot of the older guys going now and saying, "Wow, well, Flair, 
Blassie was aged out, you know. Yeah. So we get this woman comes by to talk to Fred, and she gets Andy's autograph. Uh, we see Andy say grace before he eats. We see this conversation about hand sanitizing wipes. Which is great because it seems like Blassie carries a lot with him, and the one he gives Andy is dried out. Right. So then there's this whole bit about uh, pouring water yeah, uh, into it. He wants it. him to take a spoon and pour the water in there. And Andy goes to dip it in the glass. Not that way. And even after he already does that, Blasi still wants him to go through the method of doing it his way. You get the impression that if you were hanging out with Blasi, you would have to do everything the way that Blasi yeah. wanted it done. There's, yeah. no, there's no question about it. Um, there's a moment in this that I, I don't want to get too much into because we are in a restaurant, but there's the whole talk about why Blassie washes his hand, and yeah. it has to do with people's hands poking through tissue. So if you haven't seen the film, just keep an eye out for that. Um, they talk about Jerry Lawler, and I love hearing this part of it. The feud with the two of them is just awesome and epic. To, it, it is really probably the greatest involvement of a celebrity in wrestling ever. Sure. Andy yeah. went in, you know, 100%. Yeah. This was far more than even guys like Mr. T or oh, sure. Lawrence Taylor or any of the other guys you can think of. This is, I mean, this Andy Kaufman went down to Memphis. He wasn't even going to WWE yeah, yeah. at the time. Yeah. Went down to Memphis and just stayed there yeah. and just wrestled mm-hmm. and just became a bad guy wrestler. You know, this was, he wanted to do that more than he wanted to be on taxi. He hated being mm-hmm. on taxi. And and he went down there, uh, at least from my understanding, all the mat, he, he only wrestled women. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was basically shoot style wrestling. I mean, it was. Oh, the women, yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, he, it wasn't, you know, predetermined. Yeah. It was like. And he really had to beat woman. these women. Yeah. And there was, I, from what I understand, there were a handful of times where he really, you know, was almost outmatched. Oh, yeah. I, well, I watched... Uh, but he couldn't He couldn't let a woman beat him. <laughs> he was great. I watched a, a nightclub set he did. And first thing, the crowd hated him. And this is one of the... I mean, this is a really good lesson, by the way, looking at today's wrestling. Mm-hmm. The crowd loves all these heels, right? Yeah, yeah. You see all the big fans are like, well, I got to cheer. Andy Kaufman, people were paying money just to see yeah. him. And people are yelling obscene things at him, you know, booing him the whole night, you know. And, I mean, this is a guy that did his job. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. went out there. He wanted you to hate him, and he got you to hate mm-hmm. him. And if he had to insult your mother, yeah. if he had to insult your wife, he would do it. <laughs> and so he got out there, and they pick out women for him to wrestle. And they pull up these four women. And one of them, they're, they're like, all right, we're going to get rid of one of them. So they get the crowd to choose which one is not going to wrestle. And then in in an uh, in an attempt to, I think, get the crowd against him, he says he's going to wrestle her anyway. <laughs> and also, I think, because she was very pretty. And Andy really liked to wrestle the pretty women. Sure. Uh, so Andy wrestles all, all four of them. The third one, oh boy, she gave him a run for his money. I mean, it was uh, it was a close one, but I, you know, he was. I think he had a pretty good point. He was able able to even as skinny as he was, he yeah. was able to outpower a yeah. lot of these women, and he'd get them onto their back and pin them. But it was great. He's up there, you know, saying, you know, you got to go in the kitchen and cook my <laughs> yes. dinner, and you know, he's uh, it just was just over the top with a lot of the gorgeous George type stuff where, hey, don't touch me now. Yeah, you know, yeah. Don't touch my robe. Yeah. Well, and he really played up the fact that he was from Hollywood and he was a big star. <laughs> yes. And- yes. So, uh, so anyway, in My Breakfast with Blassie, they're sitting there talking about Jerry Lawler. Blassie calls him a bird brain. 
Uh, and then he, then this is one of my favorite things. Blassie goes through a run of all WWF talent because Blassie is under contract to yeah. WWF, so he doesn't want to sit there and just talk well, about Lawler. Yeah. I don't even think he says Lawler by name at any yeah. point, but he's like, it's no different than if you got in there with Hulk Hogan or Blackjack Mulligan or Bob Backlund or Killer Khan. It's like he goes out of his way to to you know to hype up only you know WWF talent. Yeah, and, and that was Blassie's point was that, you know, uh, and it's even in our show intro, you know, about wrestling, slap, fat, slappy women. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, ultimately, you know, the difference between wrestling a man and definitely wrestling a woman is, right. you know, it's astronomical. They, uh, they throw the autograph back. They, there's this ongoing argument with the women at the other table. Um, the, the point to the, the women at the other table, they were, they were a, a yeah. plant. And they were there for two reasons. One was because they would be in the shop. They didn't want to have that, other yeah, people yeah. showing up throughout the, uh, the the meal and then disappearing. Yeah. So they're the plants at the one table. And so it was all friends of the director. The director's Johnny Legend. Mm-hmm. And the, the thing I have to say about Johnny Legend was I saw him in a grocery store wearing a T-shirt that said, I'm Johnny Legend. He was in, he was in Avant's. In California, and I thought about getting his autograph, and then I was like, "Well, I don't want to bother him. He's grocery shopping." And later, I thought he wore a shirt to tell up, yeah. everybody who he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another entertainer now that goes by that name. There's yes. like a musician, and so I think he just goes John Legend. Yeah. But I'm sure there's a lot of confusion now. Oh, definitely. But anyway, um, Johnny Legend. Uh, this was his sister, was one of them, which was Lynn Margulies. Mm-hmm. If you've seen the movie that they did about Andy Kaufman, Man on mm-hmm. the Moon, with Jim Carrey, Lynn Margulies is the uh, Courtney Love character. Mm-hmm. This is his girlfriend for, for all of his life after that. Mm-hmm. And he meets her on camera. Yeah. He didn't know her yeah. going into this. And so when Andy's smitten with her on camera, <laughs> it feels legit. Yeah. I mean, he screws up what he's trying to say. He's trying to cut a promo at one point, and he screws it up. Uh, but he's really he really falls for her, and it's kind of funny, and yeah. it's really cute to see. Uh, but there's ongoing back and forth where... Blassie and him are kind of talking badly about women and, and about with these an women. Earshot, yeah. yeah, and so they, they throw this autograph back at him, and then he does his, I'm Andy Kaufman, I'm a star, which I just love. Fred keeps rubbing the belly of this waitress. Yeah, every time she comes back. And he says, <laughs> oh, this is probably one of the worst lines. <laughs> he says, that's another one we'll have to feed on welfare after yeah. rubbing your belly. I mean, Fred was in full-on heel mode yeah. this, whole, this whole dinner. He talks about the Shah of Iran. Yeah. He tells the story about meeting the Shah of Iran. I mean, th- there are some great conversations in this. Um, and then... <laughs> They get in the argument with the women at the table. The women get up to leave, and Fred says an insult that I don't understand. He says, bye-bye, keep walking until your hat floats. What does that mean? Uh, I don't... I have no idea what that means. Maybe it's an old insult that means something, but I, I totally... Had no concept. I heard it and said, okay. Um, then they ordered dessert yes. for their breakfast. Yes. Uh, and this is where, you know, Blassie orders some, some vanilla ice cream and Andy orders chocolate layer cake. Yeah. Here's a bit of trivia for you. Vanilla ice cream is more popular than chocolate ice cream. Really? I read this the other day on a Snapple cap, so it must oh. be true. I wouldn't have guessed that. No, I think that's why. It, I think that's why it made the cap. Mm-hmm. I think if it had been chocolate ice cream, they would have been like, "Well, we're mm-hmm. not going to put this on there." But so they talk about wrestling, and Fred talks tells a really great story about how 
the KKK shot up his car in Mobile, Alabama, because he came down and wouldn't, you know, play along with these terrible racists in the crowd. Which is interesting because Wassey said some very racist yeah, things so yeah. far, but this was where they he drew the line. They were different levels, yeah. And he wrote about this in his book. Yes, yeah. yes, indeed. Uh, page fifty-eight of his book, mm-hmm. so which I he, have not read. I just remember researching. I bought it. this book the day before he died. Wow! Just on a total fluke, yeah. I was at a bookstore and it was on like uh, not clearance, but you know they always price down books. They had put it on sale, and the, like the next day or two days later, I was watching Raw, and they said he had died, and I was stunned because I just picked up this book yeah. and started reading it. So this is a book he wrote later in life. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's. Um, what it's called, but it's it, it's a memoir written from, this is the very end yeah. of his life. This is a book that was published in the last two or three That's years. That's the best of his way life. to do it. If you're going yeah. to do a memoir, do it at the end because. I'm pretty sure he's got a co writer too. Yeah. So, you know, it was, it was. It was probably just a bunch of breakfast with Blasties and yeah. the writer went and turned into a book. That's exactly <laughs> how they did it back then. So he talks about meeting Robert Stack. He talks about meeting Elvis. And all of a sudden, Andy gets excited. His eyes light up. Andy was a huge Elvis fan. And they say that Elvis appreciated Andy's impersonation of him. Andy did a ridiculous impersonation of Elvis, which basically went like this. Andy would say, I'm going to do I'm going to do the Archie Bunker. Edith, get yeah. me a beer. Get out of here. And then he'd say he was going to do Jimmy Carter. I am President Jimmy Carter. And then he'd say he's going to do Elvis. And all of a sudden he'd put on the costume and then he'd break into a perfect Elvis, you know, doing Heartbreak Hotel yeah. or something. And the crowd would go nuts because they were set up with, you know, that it was just going to be another dopey impression. They talk about the Letterman Show incident. Now, have you seen this? Um, I remember watching it probably around the time that Man in the Moon came out. Because okay. I wanted to see how yes. they compared because they recreated it in the movie. But I haven't seen it since. So, Andy and Jerry were booked to be on Letterman. And uh, Jerry's sitting there, and they get in an argument. Uh, Lawler smacks him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andy throws water on him. Letterman apparently was very upset because he wasn't in on everything. Yeah. And because he's Letterman, and he's very upset probably (laughs) on a daily basis. Yeah. So that was interesting to hear about. It was kind of interesting to hear them maybe shooting about it, probably not, because (laughs) they were both so in character throughout this entire piece. But it was still interesting to hear what we thought was a behind-the-scenes look at it. Bob Zamuda then shows up. Now, he's Uh, slightly off-camera for this whole thing. What do you want to say about him? <laughs> it was probably the most disturbing part of this whole this whole movie is when he, he pulls a, a straw out of his nose. <laughs> well, he pulls it out of the side of his nose, okay. I believe. But I, I, he pulls, a ra- I think, the straw wrapper out of his nose. Yeah, okay. yeah um, Bob Zamuda is, uh, is, was Andy's comic writing partner. He, Bob Zamuda is still around. And Co-founder of um, the American version of Comic Relief. Yes, yes. Uh, and... I believe, if I'm not, if I may be incorrect about this, but I believe the American version is oh. the one called Comic Relief. Oh. In England, it's called Red Nose Day. I All think. right, so I thought there was a Canadian version as well. There may be, there may be, but uh, but anyway, yeah, he's uh, he's a very famous uh, comedian, and so he's staged in this. But first time I saw this, I thought this was a real dude. Yeah, I he, thought because he kind of wa- he, he wanders in and out at a couple. Points and it's not mic'd well. Yeah, it really it's, seems like he's trying to sort of force his way into the into the movie. Yeah, it, it is believable. So, um, so he pulls the straw wrapper out of his nose at this point. 
later, right after this, Andy shows Fred fake boogers that he has. (laughs) And this is in Man on the Moon. He's got these plastic fake boogers that stick in his nostril. And he sells one to Fred for a buck. Yeah. And he sells the used one. Yeah, he he sells it was used. The used one is more important. He says he wore it in San Francisco. And Fred says he's going to, and this is a great great moment because Fred uses the word keister. He says he's going to put in his keister to look like a hemorrhoid. But I like that Fred uses the term keister. He also says Doniker later to refer to the men's room, which I thought I heard the toilet. Um, Zamuda then shows up, pulls another straw wrapper out of his nose, and then he spits up ice cream. And it, but it looks real. And that's the thing. If you don't know in advance that he's just spitting it on the table, and they sell it. Perfect. Yeah, I mean, they sell it dead on. Yeah, that that, that whole interaction with him really, really... It's a stir. It, it did. <laughs> See, yeah, it, it did to me the first few times I saw it, but I, I thought it was legitimate, and it made me think, this is what Fred Blassie and Andy Kaufman have to deal with on a regular yeah. basis, because this single shot, one, you know, hour breakfast they had was interrupted mm-hmm. by this man twice. Fred says a line then that I quote all the time. He says... <laughs> What the hell ever happened to the human race? Yeah. And I just, I want it on a t-shirt. I'll tell you, yeah. I love that. Um, and then he says, if he's sitting on the Doniker to flush him down, because <laughs> Andy's going to the men's room. Fred insists that Andy pay the check. Yes. And that, I thought, was just yeah. fantastic. And I think also, at the beginning, Andy mentions that he's going to treat him to, to breakfast, and then by the end, they revolve around to it again and almost do that bit again, like they reset on it. So Fred Blassie passed away at the age of 85 in 2003, left an indelible mark on the history of professional wrestling in my childhood. Yeah. i got to say, one of the last memories I have of Blassie was when they brought him out on a Raw, and he was in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. And this was, I think, when uh, the three-minute warning was around, and they teased... The three-minute warning, destroying Blassie. Right. And that was one of those, you know, I mean, at the time, they were doing stuff with Mae Young, where Mae Young was getting put through tables, yes. and I'm like, please don't do anything to Mr. Blassie. I just, it's one of those things where you're nervous the entire time. And that's one. Of, I think that's the last time I remember seeing Blassie. I, I remember, as a side note, watching one night when Jimmy Snooker came out, and I was at a restaurant. Because this is back when wrestling was so big, you'd go to, like, Fridays, and people would be watching yeah. Raw. And this guy that was near me at the bar was like, oh, that's so great. They're doing a tribute to Jimmy Schnook. I was like, they're going to beat him up. And he's like, no way. And I was like, they're going to beat him up and they're going to humiliate him. Sure enough, all of a sudden he's like, you've lasted, or you've wasted three minutes or two minutes of my time or whatever. You know what I recently learned uh, related to the three-minute warning is mm-hmm. uh, Rosie was one of the guys in the three-minute warning. Mm-hmm. His brother is S.H.I.E.L.D. member Roman Reigns, yeah, which yeah. I did not know. And I knew they were probably related because well, all the all Samoans the, are Yeah, I was going to say, all the Anawahi, I believe it's pronounced, family. Yes. yes. I did not know that they yeah. were brothers, you know. Yeah, no, that, three-minute warning, that was a fun gimmick. <laughs> I really did like that. I, you know, it got, it got tired very quickly, yeah. but... Let's talk about Fred Blassie. Yeah. Fred Blassie, uh, he actually wrestled, and quite a bit. And it's funny, because growing up, he was an old, old man. Yeah, yep. But then he lived, like, another 25 years. Yeah. And died at 85, which means when we were watching him in the 80s, he was in his 60s. Yeah. He looked like he was in his 80s. Yeah, yeah. He had the, well, the the, the white hair, like, you know, not even, like, the gray. He was straight white, you know, really good look. In this movie, he's got... uh, He's got his version of a fanny pack. He doesn't actually wear it, <laughs> yeah. but he carries a very small backpack that yeah. one could confuse as a purse. Yeah. Um, Blassie was one of those guys that he 
aged well. He looked yeah. good as an older man. And there's some people that when they get old, yeah, they you know, hard looking old man. But he looked like a he was classy Freddie Blassie. He looked classy. He, here he was. His real name Frederick Kenneth Blassie. Uh, here are some of his uh, wrestling names. He was Classy Freddie Blassie, Ayatollah Blassie, uh, the Vampire, the Hollywood fashion fashion plate, which they used in the WWE, and the fashion plate of professional wrestling, which I like. Born in St. Louis, Missouri. Yeah, and his finishing move was a swinging net neck breaker. Okay, yeah, very cool. And he had some signature moves too. He had the stomach claw hold, which I guess was probably like. The, the Von Erich thing, but just mm-hmm. on, your yeah, on your stomach. Yeah, grab your stomach. <laughs> and a chokehold, um, which I don't know how much of a signature move that could be, but I guess in the in the video game... People probably in, didn't choke each other yeah, back then. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was, you know, that was not civil. Mm-hmm. And Fred was known for being a very uncivil wrestler. Yeah, yeah. Um, he came up with Pencil Neck Geek to describe a carnival performer. Mm-hmm. You know, a geek in carnival term mm-hmm. is uh, somebody that eats glass, bites the heads off chickens. Uh, it's why it's funny that now we use the term geek, like, oh, I'm a geek. Look at what a geek I yeah, am. Yeah. There was a time where that was the lowest term on earth. This is why Fred sings about it. You couldn't, there's nothing lower than being called a geek. <laughs> yes. You'd rather be called janitor or, you know, it, it's just, it's it's so far down there. Yeah. And um, Blassie did hold um, a couple titles in his oh, career. Oh, my God, a couple. <laughs> Read off some of these. All right, well. He, this was the you know the years where you had the National Wrestling Alliance, which yeah. was you know a bunch of promoters that were all you know um, they were all interconnected. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, yeah, they cooperated with mm-hmm. each other. They yeah. would they would do talent loans. So down in Florida, he was the NWA Southern Heavyweight Champion one time, and also the NWA World Tag Team Champion uh, in Florida with uh, Tarzan Tyler, who I've never heard of, but sounds like a great gimmick. It's a great, yeah, exactly. Uh, in Mid South, he was the NWA Georgia Heavyweight Champion uh, champion one time. He was also a tag team champion down there with Kurt von Brauner and Bob Ship, and also Eric Peterson, a bunch of guys that again I'm not familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a class of the NWA Hall of Fame. Class yeah, because everybody had their own Hall of Fame. Yes. before even before WWE, I think WCW had one first. But yeah, everybody, yeah. Every, there are a lot of other Hall of Fames out there, and there is certainly a claim that some of them are more legitimate. Yeah, and then he was also a part of what is now NWA Hollywood. Back then, it was the North American Wrestling Alliance World Wrestling Association, Los Angeles. Right. He was their heavyweight champ. Um, he was the American champ. He was a tag team champ again. He was the heavyweight champ, <laughs> international tag team champ with Don Lee, uh, Jonathan, wow. uh, WWA world heavyweight champ. So yeah, a lot of different belts. Um, he looks like he worked his way around the country. Yeah, and he, he did get into the WWE Hall of Fame. He was in the first class, 1994. Andre the Giant is the first person inducted. And he uh, was a soul inductee. Yeah, it is, that, that's how they started. They started the Hall of Fame because when Andre died, Vince wanted a way to acknowledge his career. And so he created the Hall of Fame. There was no ceremony or anything. He just created the Hall of Fame to, to credit Andre the Giant. Uh, and then the next year, they put together a class. And so Blassie was big enough. He was in the very first class. Uh, in the 1970s, he became a face. He was originally, you know, as a heel for most of his career. But he became a face. He feuded with Rocky Johnson, which yeah, is the Rock's, the Rock's dad. dad. He managed the Rock's grandfather, by the way, at, at some point in his career. And he had a very famous feud. 
in Southern California, 1971, against John Tolis. And he talks about John Tolis on his record. He actually uh, uh, cuts a promo on him on the I Bite the Songs record. Mm. John Tolis, a lot of people may remember as Mr. Perfect's first WWE manager before he was replaced by Bobby Heenan. He was coach John Tolis. Uh, but they had a match at the L.A. Memorial Coliseum that set new California records for attendance and gate. This was huge. I mean, 1971, the, the L.A. Coliseum is gigantic. WWE couldn't fill that up when Hogan was fighting Sergeant Slaughter, and they had to move to the sports arena. So, I mean, this is, you know, for in 1971, Glassy was, you know, part of a card that was big enough to fill that stadium. Wow. And uh, very famous for his career in Japan, which they talk about in the movie, and, you know, just how incredibly terrifying he was to the people of Japan during his matches with Ricky Dozan. He was six foot, 220 pounds when he wrestled, so... Especially over in Japan, that's a that's a giant. And I don't think he carried around his little purse. <laughs> so, uh, who are some of the guys he managed over the years? Uh, well, Nikolai Volkov. Yes. So, Nikolai Volkov and Iron Sheik mm-hmm. managed them when they were tag team champions during the WrestleMania one time period. When the you know when they would come down, he would wear the Ayatollah mm-hmm. headdress, and then uh, uh, Blassie would would uh, would introduce them, and then Sheik would do, or actually first. Volkov would sing the Russian national anthem, and Sheik would do the USA hockey yeah. bull. Uh, and so, yeah, he was he was in there. He was also when Sheik wrestled Hogan. Yeah. he was his manager mm-hmm. in the corner. Yeah, which is interesting because at some point, Blassie managed Hogan. When too, Hogan right? was a bad guy, guess, yeah. yeah. When Hogan AWA. first came in, I believe mm-hmm. also in WWF. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was probably still WWF, but yeah, against Bob Backlund, okay. uh, he would manage him. This was when when Hogan was the fashion plate as well. You know, this was the Thunderlips character, yeah. and he had that hat and the flower, the feather in it, and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah Blassie managed Hogan as well, and he actually uh, managed a bunch of wrestlers who have a Camel Clutch Cinema connection. They're they're guys that we'll either talk about or have talked about already. Ah, so guys that have been in movies. Yes, uh, George the Animal Steel, who uh-huh. was in Ed Wood, which is a movie oh, we're going to get to eventually. Oh, such a great movie. Uh, Toru Tanaka mm-hmm. from, I think, most famously, The Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger. He was uh, Sub-Zero. Yeah, yeah. Now um, he's playing Zero. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, he also res- uh Jesse Ventura, who's yes, in Predator. Yes, indeed. Uh, Adrian Adonis, Blackjack Mulligan, Big John Stud, Kamala, King Kong Bundy, oh, who we let talked me, to. Let me uh, interrupt you real quick. Uh, Big John Studd has a great appearance in a Jackie Chan movie we need to watch sometime. But yeah, King Kong Bundy, we talked uh, all about that movie. He did Fight the Panda Syndicate Mm -hmm. and a little bit about some of the other films. I mean, it really, if you look at it, it's really a list of pretty much... If they wrestled in the 80s, there's a good chance that Blasty was connected to them at some point. Now... His music career, 1975, he recorded uh, King of Men and Pencil Neck Geek. Now, Lassie talks through these songs, but there is singing on Pencil Neck Geek. (laughs) And the singing and all that stuff was performed by Johnny Legend. Okay, wow. So Johnny's all over Lassie's career. So it makes sense that that's how the two of them were put together. Andy Kaufman. Yes. I just love this guy. You know, he was 35 years old when he died. Died of lung cancer was, and just, he was not a smoker. No, he's a it non-smoker. Was one of those rare. Well, yeah, I don't know how rare that is, though. I think I think it's mostly associated yeah. with smokers, and smokers get it far more than non-smokers. Mm-hmm. But I think lung cancer is no different than stomach cancer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a cancer that anybody can yeah. get. But yeah, it's it's 
he's probably one of the most public non-smokers. Yeah. He was a very health-conscious guy that sadly got this uh, got this disease. But just such a funny guy, and such a he was he was very much like. Um, uh, uh, Tom Green, who I really like, I think Andy Kaufman was was better at being Andy Kaufman yeah. than Tom but Green he, was. He was sort but of yeah. a very you know very similar to the archetype for that kind of a thing. Yeah, you know, the, the, the uncomfortable comedy almost. Yes. You know, where it seemed like Kaufman was really good at, at doing the anti comedy thing. He came out and performance one, artist. Yeah, one one point he read The Great Gatsby to the audience, yes. the entire book. Yeah, from what I understand, yeah, they, and it, on YouTube you can watch parts of that. So I, I've heard that uh, didn't take that long to clear out the theater, so he never had to finish it. But uh, yeah, he would he would turn on the audience if he wanted to and just bore them. Yeah, just bore them silly. I mean, that takes a really really confident performer, you know, to not. And this translated to his heel personality in yeah. wrestling. Oh, yeah. To not care about what the audience was thinking. It was doing what you set out to do, yeah. and regardless of the reaction. Just keeping your foot on the gas pedal and continue to drive along. This is important about this. What you have to look at with his career as a celebrity going into wrestling is Dennis Rodman went into wrestling and was a bad guy, right? Other people have done that. But what Andy did that was different was he was an unsympathetic, (laughs) wimpy heel. He went into it coming off like a wimp, a jerk, and everything else. Yeah. And I mean, there's nothing positive. If you look at what he was on television yeah. in the wrestling thing, nobody would want to do that. You're like, oh, everybody's going to boo you. Yeah. You're going to look like a wimp. Yeah. You're going to get beat up. And you're going to come off like a jerk. And everybody that watches you is going to hate you for it. Yeah. And it's in a time. This is in a time when people regard wrestling as being a real sport. Yeah. You know, that, that they thought he really broke his neck. I thought he broke his neck until Man on the Moon came yeah. out because Lawler never broke Cape Bay about it. Yeah. Also, you could argue that that run with Jerry Lawler down in, in Memphis mm-hmm. was also probably very much on the mind of, like, a Vince Russo when he started booking because the whole arc of that has Andy eventually making up with Lawler or becoming friends with Lawler and then turning on him, yeah. basically making friends with him so he could turn on him again and he'd be even more of a heel. It was a true uh, Russo he, swerve. He says, I have to fight uh, uh, Jimmy Hart. Yes. Right? He's got to fight against Jimmy Hart. Yeah. Yeah. That, so I'm from Hollywood. It covers his career yeah. great, and everybody should check this out. When he's doing the public service announcement, where he's like, this is soap. <laughs> you should use this. And he brings a woman out and embarrasses her. Yeah. Oh, God. This, yeah, he's like, he just beats her up on camera, and it's, yeah. it's real. It feels real. Yeah. Uh, there's so many great moments in his wrestling career, yeah. and they're chronicled pretty well in that. Yeah. There's a, another DVD that came out which has more footage, um, which I, I've seen, which has a lot of, it uh, has the, the nightclub performance I was talking about, and a lot of just extended, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, sequences where you get to see a lot more of these yeah. things instead of a quick cutaway with a weird song recorded over yeah. top of it. Now, we, you, we I mean, he, he passed away, so yes. we, we, all we can do is speculate, but right. I mean, the way he was going and, and, the way he was seemingly able to leave Hollywood or, or, you know, devote more time to wrestling than he did to Hollywood, you can only imagine where he would have gone in the wrestling world. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's surprising to me that he hasn't been put into the Hall of mm-hmm. Fame by WWE because they love the Hollywood connection. Yeah. 
and Lawler can uh, maybe they're waiting for after Lawler retires because it'll be a moment where they can bring Lawler back to give a speech yeah. to accept it. So you know, perhaps that you know it'll be something we won't get for another twenty years. But I, I really think it's something we we should get at some point because it's it's also such a great portion of Lawler's career, and it yeah. would be really cool. I don't know how much of that footage is owned by WWE now, but it would be really cool to see a really cool set, you know, instead of just I'm from Hollywood where you get an hour of this, yeah. to get a really, a yeah. better overview with some interviews looking back mm-hmm. on it and stuff. And his ring gear, <laughs> uh, he, you know, he, he did not wrestle in the traditional, right. you know, ring gear. He wore a, a long sleeve shirt. Um, yes, he had he had basically like white long johns yeah. with black shorts over yeah, them, yeah. and then wrestling shoes. Mm-hmm. The, the only me- uh, like modern comparison I can make, and I think we we, we talked about this on on our celebrity uh, episode, is John Hader from uh, yes Napoleon Dynamite, Na- Napoleon Dynamite, who who wrestled as a heel on Raw as part of a tag team, and and uh, imagine if he came back every week, yes. <laughs> then we would almost oh. get close to what Lawler uh, exactly. to what Coffin did exactly. Um, so this movie premiered at the New Art Theater in Hollywood, still there, March 20th, 1984. So two years later from being filmed. Yes, so yeah, so it stuck around, you know, from the, from two summers before. And uh, he and Lynn had a going away party that night because they were going the next day to the Philippines. And this is covered in the in movie. In the movie, yeah, the, with um, the faith healer. That, yes, uh, so he went to a faith healer. He saw that the guy was a sham when he was down there. And then he died on May 16, 1984, very shortly after this movie came out. Um, and at his request, Fred Blassie sat in the front pew with his family. That's so wonderful. This is a guy who was really close to Fred Blassie. Blassie said he cried his eyes out during the during the funeral. Um, just this was a good kid, you know. Yeah. It was a guy that. Uh, you know that a lot of people in the business really respected and liked. So, mm-hmm. very interesting career yeah. um, acting wise. Yeah, I did want to mention. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have anything? I was just going to say, and there was also the kind of comedian he was. There was speculation around the oh, time when God. Man on the Moon yeah. came out that he had faked his death and I Man on the Moon until then. Yeah, it was going to be his his reintroduction to society as I, this twenty year joke. I remember somebody saying because uh, then they said, well, Andy had joked at one point in an interview that he'd come back. I think in the year two thousand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so he said that he'd fake his death mm-hmm. and then come back. And I remember talking to somebody about this, and I said, you know what, I kind of believe it. I'm kind of half expecting You want to believe it. And yeah. there's even people that I've heard that were friends of his that were like, look, I saw his body, saw it in the coffin. I still believe he's yeah. going to come back. Uh, and I wanted to believe it. And, and I remember talking to somebody about Elvis, and I said, you know, Elvis didn't really want to hide from his fame. But yeah, this yeah. is the guy that I could see saying, I'm going to play this out yeah, yeah. because this will be a lot of fun, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but sadly, he is, he is long gone. He's got a, an interesting mm-hmm. filmography. Yes. He acted on uh, a lot of sitcoms. Mm-hmm. He did a movie called God Told Me To. Did you ever see Larry this? Larry Cohen movie. Yeah. It's and, uh, like a sniper movie. It's yeah, a, and, yeah, and Andy's a, a, a cop that is, well, he's actually just a killer, dresses up as a cop mm-hmm. and kills somebody during a parade. He's got crazy eyes, <laughs> yeah. you know? And so that's why in 1976 this works. A year later, he got his own sitcom, which only lasted one episode, no. called Stick Around. And then 78, Taxi comes around. 
and he didn't want to do Taxi. He was a nightclub comic. They came to him with this, and they were like, this is your big break. You could be the next Fonzie. And he was like, oh, my God, I don't want to be the next Fonzie. <laughs> yeah. And to sort of illustrate how big he popped on that show, yeah. he sort of outdid Reverend Jim, the oh, yeah, um, yeah. Christopher Lloyd character, mm-hmm. who was like the Kramer of Taxi. Taxi almost had two Kramers. Yes. And so he had a contract. What you'll notice if you go back and watch that show, he's rarely on. Because his contract stated he only had to be on like every fifth episode or something. So he was like the Brock Lesnar of Taxi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But he you know, he, he didn't like doing Taxi. And one of the deals he had to renew uh, his contract and to do his contract was that they give him a TV special. And he did these ridiculous specials that you can find out there. I think they're they're probably on, on YouTube or something. And if not, you can definitely buy him mm-hmm. uh, online. Is that one of those, the Carnegie Hall one, where he takes the audience out for milk and cookies? <laughs> yes, yes. And the uh, Andy Kaufman special, Andy's Fun House. And then he did the Tony Clifton character, which we'll get into more when we one day tackle Man on the Moon. But this was a character he did, and he would have other people, including Bob Zamuda, do it as well, so that that way people didn't assume it was always him. And, and Tony Clifton's still out and about. We yes, actually still saw, quote-unquote, Tony Clifton <laughs> at, a, at a convention not too long ago. That's right. So he did, Tony Clifton appears on the fabulous, or the fantastic Miss Piggy show, <laughs> which was a Miss Piggy special. Andy's not on it. Yeah. Tony Clifton is yeah. on it. So a uh, very, very interesting guy with a great career. And Man. overall, this makes for two personalities that if you don't like Andy and you don't like Blassie, you're not going to like this. <laughs> if you're lukewarm on both of them, I don't think you're going to like mm-hmm. this, right? I mean, would, would that be fair to say? Yeah, yeah. What is your take? What is your uh, what is your review? Do you tap out? I got to say, the concept of watching a comedian and a, a retired professional wrestler eat breakfast, sign me up right away. <laughs> I think the running time of this, it, it's, it's, it's not feature length. Right. It's, it's about an hour long. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a lot of good stuff that goes on in it, and you're seeing a lot of people work seemingly off the cuff. Yeah, I, I, I didn't tap to this. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I've already said I'm I'm a big fan of this and have been for years. Uh, I've recommended it to people, and I've recommended it to people that have hated it. So I may be doing that right now uh, because some of you may go out and seek this out. This is one of the best films that we've reviewed for this reason. We can't spoil it. I mean, what we're telling you is what happens, but you can't experience it without experiencing it. If I tell you what happens in Transformers 2, you don't have to go watch it. If you do, you'll be like, oh, okay, yeah, this is that party told me about. But this, you could know everything going into it, but you've got to see how it plays out. These guys are just so funny, and they're so good together, and there's just so many moments that I think are all fake, but feel so genuine. Um, so, no, I don't tap out. I, I highly recommend this. This is one of my favorite wrestling movies and, and one of the tops that we'll ever see. I watched this in preparation for this. I watched it three times yeah. just because I couldn't get enough of it. I watched it, and then I was like, hey, you know what? I got another hour. <laughs> Started it back over. Yeah. You know, I was like, maybe I'll pick up some other things. You know, maybe there'll be some little joke that I didn't pick up before. And, you know, I, I spent a lot of time really thinking about that moment that they spent there, you know, that day, the four hours that they were sitting there. And, boy, it just seems like such a crazy, unique moment in history that this movie exists. You'd almost think that if they were around today, they would have been doing a weekly podcast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) 
you know, Breakfast with Blassie would be yeah. the name of the podcast. And every week, they know they get together for breakfast. So that is it, Craig. Mm-hmm. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. And we will see you next time here on Camel Clutch Cinema. I went in the ring. I wrestled a man for the first time. And he, yeah, well, even the bell had already rung. He still did that. Why don't you go back to the kitchen where you belong and watch some pots and pans and raise the babies? There you are. I am Andy Kaufman from Taxi. TV star. I am a TV star. I am on television once a week. Okay? I am Andy Kaufman. My own grandmother stood in my line of tennis on me to win a match. I'd kick her in the groin, stomp on her, smash her teeth in, and I'd say, you old broad, get out of my way. That's right. That's right. I hate a loser. I love a winner, and that's why I've been always been a winner. I've been the world's champ five times. That's right. heavyweight champ. You sound like Freddie Blassie.